Your move, Cream. Your move, Cream. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Flying saucers, which are really, yeah, you got it, time machines. I think a lot about this kind of stuff. This kind of stuff. This kind of stuff. <laughs> you think this is the real Quaid? It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. All right, welcome back to Tarantino's. In this episode, we're going to be giving our top five holiday movies from the 80s and 90s. How did you compile your list, Angel? I mean, it was kind of hard to kind of pinpoint some of these movies down. Well, my thing too was what constitutes a holiday movie? So uh, I just went generic across the board. There has to be some setting of the movie that transpires during a holiday. It doesn't have to necessarily be about anything like subplot of the movie where they're trying to get somewhere for Christmas or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like if you look outside, somebody has Christmas lights in the house <laughs> that qualified. Yeah. I mean, I try to like think outside of the, the box a little bit. I wanted to, I didn't want to particularly pick like just Christmas movies. Uh, because you know, I think there's. I think because of the rise of in the '80s, the rise of, of the VHS, we tend to pick different movies back then for Christmas. I mean, I think if you're you're coming from the '70s and '60s, you had to only rely on the, on TV, and the normal programming at the time would be kind of the the the, the classic films. Uh, yeah, they decided. Yeah, what it, were Christmas movies? And it was always kind of those typical typical Christmas movies, uh, musicals. You know, the old school stuff. And now with the rise of VHS, and you know, you go to blockbusters, you pick different ones. You pick kind of the action. Or at least in my case, some of the action films or some of the kind of different types of Christmas movies. Yeah, and see, me personally, I'm not a big... I like holiday movies, or this was, for me, holiday. I'm not necessarily Christmas, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so holiday... uh, uh, Christmas movies, I'm just not a huge fan, like, because most of them, they have the, the same kind of a story arc and all stuff, but, I mean, I do appreciate a good one, but it's like... If you ask somebody your top five Christmas movies, you're going to get the same top five. Like if you just ask a normal person, it's it's because that's what they think of when they think of Christmas or they think of the holidays. You know what I mean? They're going to give you the um, wonderful life. Uh, if they they're going to go crazy and say like Christmas vacation, you know what I mean? That's yeah. going to be their big wow one. Yeah. Like check me out, I'm going outside. But or like so, White Christmas, kind of those classics, musical yeah. ones. Yeah, they're gonna Google it and then come <laughs> up with the, you know the top five. But but we wanted to think, you know, I, I'm assuming you had the same uh, idea that we wanted to kind of pick different ones. And so I'll I'll start with my number five pick. Uh, initially, I was gonna pick Die Hard, which but we just talked about Die Hard in our previous episode. So yeah, I, I love the Gremlins out of mine too. So uh, I went. Kind of the same route. I mean, the same. It's Die Hard 2. My Die Harder. <laughs> this is from 1988. <laughs> and it's 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 almost... Totally different movie. It's it's But it's almost the same kind of movie, too. I mean, it's... It's, it's the it's, same. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Isn't this the airport one? Yeah, this is the airport one. This is the, okay. uh, directed by Rennie Harlan. This is when John, Mc, John McClane tries to avert a disaster when terrorists uh, takes control of a airport in Washington, D.C. And... Uh, I 
you know, I think when people talk, talk about, you know, the great movie sequels, the common answer is, is most likely Godfather Rocky two, two. Uh, yeah, Rocky, Godfather yeah, two. Rocky two, uh, the empire strikes back. And sometimes people bring up uh, Terminator two aliens, uh, Spider-Man two, Toy Story two. I, I think people, I think people should add Die Hard two to the conversation. I think a lot of times this movie is left out or overlooked because I think people think this is a silly action movie, and they're not wrong about that. But it's a pretty good, damn entertaining movie. It's a really strong sequel to an already terrific action film, and I remember watching this movie in theaters and just being blown away by how well it was able to kind of repeat some of the same story beats. Of the from the original film, but also add enough keep, new, keep sp- new and stuff. Yeah, yeah, add some enough uh, enough of new spin to it that didn't necessarily make it feel repetitive or it's like kind of repeating the same thing. And I just remember thinking, oh man, this John McClane character just has the worst luck in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and but Bruce Willis, you know, he kind of mentions that in the movie. He kind of acknowledges that this is a little ridiculous. Like you know, he there's a quote in the movie where he kind of goes, oh, "How can the same shit happens to the same guy twice?" And another time in the movie, someone goes, you're the wrong guy in the wrong place and at the wrong time where Bruce Willis says story of my life, you know? So I only he knew he was going to happen two more times. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, but I think that the way they acknowledge the ridiculousness of this and it gives you a little more space and it gives you kind of permission to laugh at it. And I think because of that, you're able to enjoy the ride more. And, um, also, what's so also great about this movie is that it has like I'm a huge fan of of the actor William Sadler, and this is probably the first film I really first took notice of how great of a character actor he is. He's he's he plays one of the main bad guys in the movie called uh, Colonel Stewart, and he is uh, you know he's done a lot of things. He was in Green Mile. He was in uh, Bill and Ted as deaf. Um, but he in his movie he has like kind of the the strangest introduction in cinema history. He's doing naked tai chi in his hotel room, and I'm like, what is this? This this shouldn't work. But it, you know, he, <laughs> we should we should be laughing at this. But it's a kind of in this movie it makes perfect sense. It's like the perfect mix of camp and dramatics i mean and and the way he ends that scene is so funny and 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 fantastic because he quickly grabs the tv remote does a full spin mind you he's naked and he aims the re- remote to the to the tv like uh like a gunslinger like a gun. and, and, and then it shoots the shoots the tv or, or turns off the tv and i go I don't know, man. That's such a strange image, but it works in this movie. And his 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 performance in the film is great. I mean, again, I think with these little fun moments in the film, it gives us permission to really enjoy f- the movie for what it is. It's really kind of silly, yet it's an awesome action movie set during Christmas. And uh, yeah, well, it is a Christmas movie for sure. <laughs> All right, what is your fifth uh, or your number five uh, slot? Uh, I horror fan. Had to get in a werewolf movie. Okay. For my fifth entry, Silver Bullet. I know what you're thinking, <laughs> but you have to think what constitutes holidays, right? The holiday season, to me, begins, uh, I mean, the two biggest, Christmas, Thanksgiving, but it begins with Halloween. Okay. Let's say Halloween's the gateway, right? Okay. To the holiday season. Uh, okay. So... We accept Halloween as the as the start um, starting the point. holiday season. Okay, yeah, okay, cool. So the movie ends 
on Halloween night. Huh? Okay. So it counts. <laughs> the whole scene when the mom leaves at the end, she says, uh, you know, don't stay up too late for trick-or-treaters. Okay. Uh, boom. So, Silver Bullet, classic, directed by Daniel Atias, uh, starring Corey Haim, Gary Busey, uh, written by, uh, it's actually based off the Cycle of the Werewolf by Stephen King. Awesome. It's so funny because uh, I never used to read and then I had a job where I would I have to drive real far. So what I would do is I would download the audiobooks. Mm. And I had seen this movie a hundred times and I finally decided to download the audiobook. It's weird because the movie has like a running time of 135 and the audiobook is like 180, like 180 minutes. So it's pretty close. Um, audiobook's amazing. Um it's a great story. Uh, does it? <laughs> it's not a classic uh, holiday tale. But <laughs> I mean, it's a little. It's a little stretch. <laughs> yeah, it's a stretch. But I had to get it in there, man. Oh, it's, it your, it's, that. Your, it's your number five. It's your number five. It's right? number five. That's why it's all the way at five. But yeah, Corey Haim. He's a kid in a wheelchair. He's doing fireworks. He comes across a werewolf, attacks him, shoots the werewolf in the eye. All of a sudden, he's him and his sister start searching with somebody with an eye patch. They find him. They kind of send him some letters. They bring their uncle into it, who is Gary Busey, <laughs> who's perfect Gary Busey. Um, I think he says he has like twenty lines and only like five where he's talking, and the rest he's <laughs> the rest he's got his high pitch, like what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like so, but uh, it's, it's classic. There's got a little twist at the end. In case you haven't seen it, I don't want to. Rooted for you, but it's got Everett McGill. And I remember watching this one when I was a little kid with my mom. And my mom, I think she's the reason why I like horror movies because she never, she figured if I knew it was scary, I would just leave when I got scared. Oh. But I think kids are the opposite. You're so scared you don't want to move. Like, so I never moved. And it, I mean, she watched them during the day and stuff. Uh, but yeah, this one, this one haunted me for years. But. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always love the storyline to it. I honestly, I watch it maybe twice a week. <laughs> it's it's from the opening scene where the sister narrates how they're the long um, the long summer started that night to mm -hmm. all of a sudden where she wishes her brother good night because it's funny because she starts the beginning and the end, but you, you forget that the whole thing is a narrative. Anyway, <laughs> I watch it. It's uh, always on in the background, basically. Just like I said with the, uh, when you could put something on and do your Christmas. Yeah. Um, like, I work and all I do is type. So instead of listening to music, I just put something on in the background that I've like watched a thousand times. And usually, probably about twice a week, that one's on. <laughs> and you also, you're a huge werewolf fan i mean you yeah, love so, you love that kind of mythology of it and I, I love that and i love the fact that stephen king's a great writer uh, there's true. there's a good twist um the especially when i was a kid that's the thing about if you if you have a kid watch a movie and there's a kid in it there's something weird a connection with it it's just like you have to watch those not watch those like you you must sit down and watch them you have to watch those movies around your kids because I remember my brother asking me if Pan's Labyrinth was good. And I'm like, dude, Pan's Labyrinth is great. He calls me about 45 minutes later yelling at me like, what the hell? Why didn't you tell me it was so scary? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's I'm watching it with my kids and his kids are like seven and <laughs> 
four. Mm. I'm like, well, goddamn, you didn't tell me you were watching it with your kids. I'm like, there's a monster that eats kids mm. in the movie. You know, why would you sit your kid down? But and the little girls in the movie, so he figured that would be fine. But mm. yeah, when there's a little kid, so. I've always made sure that when there's a little kid in the movie, but like my kids, they watched that movie once and thought it was lame. <laughs> my silver bullet. I'm like, dude, how could you? I watched this with your grandma and she, she loved it. I loved it. But yeah, that's my entry for number five. Okay. And it counts because it's Halloween. That's how it ends at Halloween it's a, it's Eve. It's Halloween Eve. Yes. Day of Halloween. Uh, my fourth pick is a movie. I think this is really going to explain the difference between uh, you angel and me is that you love horror <laughs> movies i love action movies this is another action movie <laughs> this uh, also set during christmas it's also surprisingly another movie that's directed by rennie hartland who's not, not my favorite action director but i had to pick this one uh i had to pick this one because this is written by shane black it's a long kiss good night this is uh oh my god <laughs> really what you don't like this movie <laughs> I want to say that my brother watched this movie so many times that I couldn't. He like killed it for me. Uh, I love this movie. I think this is a very funny, clever action film. I, you know, the, Shane Black is. He wrote this film. Uh, he also wrote Lethal Weapon. He he went on to write and direct Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He also wrote, wrote and directed uh, Iron Man Three. All was he in Predator? He was in Predator. I think he also did some script doctoring in Pre- for Predator. But uh, yeah. um, um, all his movies are set during Christmas. Or most of all of his movies are set in Christmas. And I could easily put uh, Lethal Weapon in this mo- in this slot. Yeah. But, but I, I would have. I wanted to go with a more of a cult film. I, I, I think Long Get, Kiss Goodnight is a really good film, mainly because it's Gina Davis' performance and her chemistry with Samuel L. Jackson. I think Samuel L. Jackson is the breakout star in this movie, and this is probably hit my favorite role of his since Pulp Fiction. Uh, you know, Pulp Fiction. He's tremendous in Pulp Fiction, and then he kind of did a couple of really okay parts. I mean, not. They're good, but they're okay. He was in Kiss of Death uh, for a small part. He was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Speaking of Die Hard, he's really good in that movie. Dude, he was good in Black Snake Moan. He was good in Black Snake Moan. But I'm just saying, uh, uh, this is, you know, Pope. I'm talking about his post Pulp Fiction roles. And he was really good in uh, Time to Kill. But then this movie came out. And I think this is probably uh, his best performance since Pulp Fiction. He has done really good stuff afterwards, but I think I love his character in this film. And then look, this is kind of a, um, an assassin uh, action film. Jeannie Davis is playing a single mother school teacher. She's like kind of a an average uh, uh, housewife, and she's raising her daughter. And then she has these kind of uh, memories that she, these repressed memories because she, she she suffers from uh, memory loss. She has a- amnesia. And she doesn't remember her past or kind of doesn't remember who she is. And then slowly but surely, she find, we find out that she's a government agent named Charlie. And Samuel Jackson is playing this uh, shady de- private eye detective guy who ha- tries to help her uh, find, uh, find clues about her past. And it's a kind of a road picture. 
and I, I just found this to be really good. I think uh, the dialogue is very funny. The the thing that the movie lacks is kind of these really great action scenes. Uh, uh, it doesn't have the same kind of technical precision precision of of a, of a Die Hard film. But I think the the driving force behind this movie is really Gina Davis's performance, and like I said, his her chemistry with Samuel Jackson. And also, I love this this um, cameo. Or a small part from from Brian Cox. Brian Cox, yeah. He's he's fantastic in the film, and I I just love the dialogue in the movie. I, it's a fun kind of really cool action movie set during Christmas. So that's my number four pick. That's a good. That's good. I gotta give that one a try again. <clears throat> okay, from the green team, number four pick. Okay, this movie. <laughs> Ends at Christmas time, okay? <laughs> so that's what qualifies it. And this is the last of the the questionable holiday flicks. Okay. 1984's Red Dawn. Oh, shit. That, it it ends, ends at Christmas. <laughs> it does, remember? Because uh, they're on the bench. And yeah, with the Cuban guy. And the, yep. Okay. So that's my fourth one. It's a, uh, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a, it is. But it, it, you just have to. You have to believe that it's, that it's a holiday classic. <laughs> so, directed by John Milius. This one's kind of like, okay, so everybody watched, um, I'm I'm saying to myself, everybody watched Outsiders. That was all the big names of all the people at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Now, this, same thing. I mean, when you think about all the actors that were in it, I mean, they had Charlie Sheen. I mean, it was basically... Most of the same cl- uh, cast as the Outsiders. Mm-hmm. You had Patrick Swayze, Leah Thompson, even the guy that played um, Daryl. He was the Soch that. Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, from uh, the Outsiders, yeah. And it's funny because when you look at his um, the the cast in Red Dawn, his picture is the the cast picture from <laughs> Outsiders. <laughs> and I mean, you gotta think Powers Booth. This movie was a great movie, and this one was okay. I'm not, I'm not, um, not a political person at all. But <laughs> one thing you had to like about action movies in the '80s, we always wanted somebody to hate. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was never like, oh, we don't like a guy or this. We chose the biggest country in the world. Like, <laughs> we don't like Russia. Russia doesn't like us. They're the opposite of what we stand for. So you know, to get everybody like on the American bandwagon. What better way than to have, like, a faction of Russia via Cuba, <laughs> you know, take over a small town in America, and then you look, and then it's really everywhere. And, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's a bunch of kids having to fight back. So the evasion starts. They all take off into the hills. Their, their, whole, their whole way of life has changed. Everything is under... Like, it basically is like they just took a part of America and made it like the Soviet Union, where they're in charge of every aspect of life. Yeah, it's an um, occupation of, of small-town America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they just hide up in the woods, and all of a sudden they find out at a larger scale that there's an actual line drawn. Like, everything, like, east of the like the Mississippi River is, like, free. Like, free America. and. Mm. Uh, it, it kind of draws to your whole patriotism if you're me and when you were a kid like you know when you're a kid you wanted that that goonies you wanted that adventure kind of a movie uh-huh. you might not have wanted it with so much on the line as far as like killing and 
you know, all that kind of stuff. But then these kids get together and they decide to try to fight back and take their town back. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing says, <laughs> nothing says the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, like uh, stealing a tank and, yeah, try, you know, blowing half your city up to save it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you like uh, Rambo, those type of movies, uh, this is. I think this is actually better than those type of movies. This is. Oh a, yeah, way a, better. This is a fun kind of uh, fantasy film, really. I mean, I think it's kind of a modern day kind of Lord of the Lord of the Flies, you know, where you gotta yeah, have. And it's almost like one of those ones where it's a little deeper because, like, one of the first places they go, it's just a truck full of like young men, and they pull out the two girls from the cellar. You know what I mean? Oh right, right. So it's, it's kind of like. Yeah, it's like, hey, this is our last stand, our last chance. Yeah, I mean, you could say it's an anti-communist type of movie, but it's also, I think it's playing some of the, the imagery of some of the Nazi invasions in World War II, where they're occupying, when not, you know, when Germany occupied Poland or, you know, France or these type of stuff. I mean, you know, you got kids hiding in, in basements and stuff like that. I think, yeah, it's a fun, like, kind of, uh, you know, again, me being a really action fan uh fanatic I, I i i love this movie i didn't realize it was a christmas movie though <laughs> it ends remember it ends they're on the bench there's christmas stuff in the background okay. yeah uh, and good. uh we're, and good. i was gonna say uh, the thing that i love about this flick is um uh not just that it's campy but um like when you look at the cast if you look dude there's so many great actors it's just it's amazing how how like when you can go back and you can see that there was like the spot that everybody's drawn from mm -hmm. so i love those kind of movies i love those eclectic movies where it's just like like the outsiders like oh almost all the brat pack movies dude those are those are some of my faves and also has a really great brotherly kind of storyline about the two brothers oh yeah and it's, it's like very it's all it's very sad at the end but I love it. I mean, I, I think that's the thing I remember most of it. Just those two Too many brothers. times we've wanted to piss in the radiator just to see if it would work. <laughs> you want how many times we wanted to scream uh, Wolverines and I did. I do it all the time. <laughs> all right. So for my third pick, which I think you could also consider this as one of the great movie sequels, arguably, uh, this is a movie that I didn't like at first, though. And I thought that actually the movie was pretty inferior to the original, but it wasn't until my younger brother kind of told me to rewatch the movie because he thought this is actually better than the original. So I did. And although I still think it's not better than the, the original film, but I think in a lot of ways it improves on the original film. And I think it further kind of represents the vision of director Tim Burton. Uh, my number third pick is Batman Returns. Uh, this is actually a Christmas movie. This is set during Christmas. It's also, it it's a fun, also comic book movie. And like I was saying, I didn't get it at first. I think I, I thought, cause I love the, the, the original film. I love the original Batman movie. And, and I think this was maybe too many characters. I mean, uh, but I, watching it again, a couple years ago, I go, Oh, I actually, this is actually this is actually great. I mean, Tim Burton, I think he felt a little more comfortable or a little more confident when he was doing this movie. And he, I think he was, he was able to, I think he felt a little more confident to change the, the world of this iconic comic book 
character into his yeah, own like style. Trust himself. Yeah, trust himself. Trust trust, yeah, style. he was trusting himself, and he really turned you know this Batman world into his own style, even more so than than the original film. And uh, and although I love Jack Nicholson's Joker, he's incredibly awesome in that movie. It's iconic performance. But I gotta say, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance as Catwoman in this film has to be it's 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 terrific but it's it's also become like the standard bearer would you now. say it's perfect <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, i gotta say i gotta say that i think that her performance as Catwoman it's like the standard now it's like the standard by which all other cat women are are measured to you know or or are, are compared to and i think back then they were kind of this the they uh, fans loved like the performance of Julie Newmar and Eartha Kitt. Perfect. But I think Michelle Pfeiffer has kind of surpassed him as like kind of that, you know, the, the iconic Catwoman performance. Yeah. She, she was a total package though, too. She had, oh, the yeah. look, she had the acting chops. Yeah. yeah. And the character was, was re- the character was really re- well written in this film. And I, I think she really kind of, it's really kind of Michelle Pfeiffer's movie, uh, Batman Returns. And she steals the film from uh, Michael Keaton. And I, I just love the chemistry between uh, F- uh, Pfeiffer and Keaton there. I mean, there there was a, there's a sexy appeal to them. It's, it's, a, it's like this sultry chemistry that's very palpable and it's, it's, it's spicy, you know, and you don't get that from, you know, today's uh, superhero movies. There's like no. no romance at all with these. No chemistry, no clicks, nothing. Nothing. They're, they're kind of almost like robots in a lot of ways. And I do, I appreciate you choosing a Keaton one. <laughs> uh, I, people are going to hate it, but it's not that I don't like um, Christian Bale. Uh-huh. It's not that I don't like him. Not that I don't like him at all. I think he's great. And the the 30 or so that were before him <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, with the exception of kilmer i like kilmer but um uh i do keaton for me is the best batman i don't know why he just yeah, is he's perfect he's- it's because yeah when you think of the first one the first movie blew you away that they could make movies about cart like comic books and how cool it was you know what i mean like everybody everybody in the world i'm batman you know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody was saying that for years, yeah, dude. Yeah. People still do say that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he that's him. That's his voice. He's the first one. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to pay homage to the like the person who who made that role as cool as it was. And yeah. It'll, for me, it's always him. I agree. I agree. And I think uh, he, uh, although I think maybe the argument for this movie and why a lot of people didn't like this movie is that he, the, 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 the Batman character becomes kind of kind of is stuck in the background while yeah, the, he's almost second or third with DeVito. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, the villains kind of take more more of the center stage, but I I still think he is major a major part of this movie. I think that, oh, yeah. that particularly that 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 love story between Catwoman and Bat, Batman, and I gotta say, yeah. you know, you know, speaking of Christmas movies, this this movie has kind of one of the most iconic kissing scenes under a mistletoe. It's where Catwoman licks Batman's face, you know. So yeah. Yeah. it counts. It, it, it counts, and also it has a great line where they say, "A mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss could be deadlier if you mean it." And I love that they repeat that <laughs> line later when Selena, Kyle, and Bruce Wayne kind of realize that they're, they Catwoman, they're Catwoman and Batman, which is a, this really great scene. I, and then you know. 
that's that's Christmas, baby. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's my type of Christmas. <laughs> uh, okay, what's your? Third, that was a good pick. What's your third pick? See, and then I went I went for more classics. Okay, so my third pick is also a what would be they give Tim Burton credit. But my third one would be Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, I knew you were going to pick this one, yeah. Yeah, sorry, man. That's what we were saying. I'm like, dude, that guy's going to pick Nightmare. <laughs> dude, my daughter watches this constantly. Like, it doesn't matter if it's the holidays or not. You just She'll just turn on, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Disney Plus, and she just puts it on. But, I mean, it's so funny because I always think to myself that Tim Burton directed it. He didn't direct it. Uh, Henry Selleck directed right, it. Right, right, right. But yeah, he just, he was like one of the masterminds behind it. And he's iconic for it being his, his masterpiece, his work or whatever. But I mean, it's, everybody has to have seen this. They have to have. I mean, it's just, it's a brilliant movie from beginning to end. And it's so funny because uh, when you watch the making of it, because you see it, you say, oh man, it's so great. Why don't they make more movies like this? But the movie took like years to make, <laughs> yeah. Like just because the the stop animation, the way you film it, but it's it's iconic as far as it bridges Christmas and Halloween. So like we have stuff right. that we blow up right. for Halloween, and it never comes down to after Christmas because <laughs> it's it's the night before Christmas stuff. But I mean, the, all the characters there, dude. You when you look at like Disney merch. It's they have so much now with this. I don't know if they they originally had it or whatever through one of their sub companies, but yeah, this is all you see. Like I still have tubs and tubs from maybe because the movie's made in '93, and I want to say between like '95 and '97, they came out with everything. There was like the nightmare. This was before it was popular to have it. Like it was like the nightmare before Christmas Monopoly, the nightmare before Christmas chess you know what i mean it's like they had all the different stuff so i was like going around trying to buy up all that stuff and i'm like this is never going to end because they still put stuff out like that mm -hmm. they're still putting out new stuff with the nightmare but i love this story i love how this guy jack he's basically the king of halloween time slash land He's, but he's getting it's very lethargic to him it's very the same thing every year every year every year so it kind of it tells you the story of yourself. It's like, you don't have... Well, so, in the story, for, for the one person that hasn't seen it. <laughs> uh, so, he gets tired. He finds a place where it has all the holidays. He wants to try something different. He goes into the Christmas holiday. He decides to steal Christmas. He wants Christmas to be his. He steals Santa Claus. He, makes, he has Halloween land, make all the toys. So as he's delivering toys and stuff, it's like they're not regular toys. They're, they're um, like scary toys. So all of a sudden, oh, Christmas Town has to try to get their Santa back so to save save their basically holiday. And then uh, Jack Skellington he realizes it also. So now he also has to try to save, uh, basically put things back to normal. And, uh, of course, there's, a, like, a love interest. She's famous, Sally. So he gets everything. He helps Santa Claus get back. There's, a, <laughs> there's like, little things within his own land that try to slow him down and stop him, like three little pain-in-the-butt kids and then Oogie Boogie. <laughs> but so he gets everything back, and it's one of those things that I like that what the, the story kind of says. Like, um, if 
don't get bored with what you do. You can be bored with kind of how you do it. Um, you you kind of need to step away sometimes, see other stuff, and then it'll make you appreciate what you got. Because mm. at the end of the movie, he's okay. all stoked about, you know, next Halloween's going to be better than mm. ever. So he just needed that little reprise, the little break. And uh, I mean, even if like people aren't into cartoons, it's not really a cartoon. It's it's uh, stop stop claymation or what do they call it? Stop stop motion, stop motion. And uh, I mean, it's you have to be under a rock if you haven't seen it. But that's my number three, and it's all about Christmas and Halloween. So it's a double holiday feature. <laughs> you got, and also you got a couple tattoos. Uh, on oh that. yeah. I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like that flick. Yeah. So, what's on your on your arm, uh, Jack Skeleton? Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's um, it's Jack and Sally. But the pose, I made up the pose because uh, I saw they have them together, but I didn't like the pose. Mm-hmm. So the lady that did it, I kind of said, okay, I want them together, but I want them to look like this. So it's kind of crazy because if you look. The, there's a famous pose that they're in and it looks like that's the tattoo but then when you look closely it's not but people have that tattoo um it's just them holding each other but it's their arms are different and it's kind of looks like a portrait of a um old school like prom picture mm. where she's slightly in front of them but it's just the two of them and i wanted to build more around it but then on my other side of my arm i got frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein, so it kind of went with like a whole motif, just <laughs> like uh, couples. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, dude, I like the flick. My kids like the flick. I don't know anybody that doesn't like that flick, man. It's so good. Well, I, I, maybe there's some who don't like musicals. I mean, this is highly, you know, yeah. there's a very yeah, much. Yeah, I guess. But I think. But the I mean, music- even it's Danny Elfman, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. even the, the music aspect is so good. It's just. And it's it's part of the story, so it's not like it's not like one of those uh, cl- uh, typical where it stops and then they sing a whole thing, and people come, you know what I mean? And it doesn't it, it kind of just to get a song in there. Oh right, right, right. It kind of advances a story, so that's that's what I like. Good, okay, good pick. I knew I I had a uh, it was coming. I knew <laughs> it was coming. Yeah. Uh, so for my second pick, I I kind of went like you. I went a little unconventional. I, it, this is kind of a weird choice. Uh, uh, I, you know, I admit this is not like a Christmas movie per se, but I think it features one of my favorite Christmas scenes in in a, in a film. It's like, uh, and it's also one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, the movie itself is kind of set over a few decades, but there's a pivotal point in the movie where we see a kind of a, mem- a memorable Christmas scene where Robert De Niro is extremely angry at his crew for buying expensive items f- like a new car or like a, a mink coat. And because he thinks it will draw too much heat on him, I'm talking about Goodfellas, Goodfellas. my number two pick. This, you know, the scene I'm talking about is uh, this is right after the Latanza heist. And, you know, they knock out, they knock off a airport and they just, uh, one uh, they just scored like uh, five million dollars or so and you know it starts off with you we see ray Liotta as henry hill and he's in the shower and he's listening to the radio and he's is hearing the, the the breaking news that the latanza heist you know and that, that they won some you know it's a big score this is maybe the biggest in in 
biggest crime score in history. And he goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, famously, you know, that scene. You know, it's funny. I can see it in my head because he starts slapping on the wall, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, Jimmy, like in the shower. Jimmy. Yeah. And then yeah. it cuts to Robert De Niro at the bar with his hands stretched out with a big smile on, the fi- on his face. And he goes, come here, you. And then you hear Frosty the Snowman by the Ron- <laughs> Ronettes playing in the background. And it's just kind of, it's just a warm feeling, a Christmas feeling. Although it's in this kind of gangster movie, it's, mm. you know, I love this kind of Christmas party that they have. And it's, you know, it's a celebration because they, of that big score that they, 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 they were able to pull off. It's kind of also one of the few kind of joyful and, and celebratory kind of moments in the film. Yeah, there's a lot of those, man. <laughs> but it, as an audience member, you know, we, we too are almost celebrating along with them. And it quickly turns dark because Jimmy or Robert De Niro's character, he begins to notice that a couple of wise guys may have splurged with their winnings and he's scolding one of the members of the, of his crew and he's tearing into him. He goes, what did I tell you? Don't buy anything. Don't get anything. Don't buy nothing big. What's, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? And, and, draw attention. Yeah. <laughs> and then another guy, other guy comes in with, a, with the wife, with the mean coat. He goes, get it out of here. Get it out of here. It, well, first off, that scene is awesome because it, it, it really shows you that in, in this mob world, even the joyful moments can turn dark in in a minute. You know, it's, there's like really, there's there's nothing there to, um, you know, th- th- there's no joy in this world really. I mean, even though the, you're, it's Christmas and you're, you're supposed to have this really great cel- celebratory kind of moment, it really it, there's there's no way to celebrate this stuff even the stuff yeah, that like <laughs> everything has rules yeah everything has rules and everyone's paranoid and eventually everything goes to shit because you know people are going to die eventually and uh what's also great about that scene is that you know uh robert de niro gives ray Liotta his money he goes don't be a moron with this money <laughs> And then it cuts to him walking through his house with a big Christmas tree. And yeah. he goes, Karen, I got the most expensive tree they had. <laughs> and it's I, I go, I love this scene. This love, and, then, and that's what I love about Scorsese, uh, what he does. He's able to kind of you know, depict this kind of mob lifestyle, but also have this really great moments of family life that I relate to so much. I mean, I, cause I remember like my dad buying Christmas trees and it, it's never planned. It's always him coming back from like maybe the local grocery store. And he's like, okay, I just bought a Christmas tree. <laughs> Help me bring it in. And that, that scene kind of reminds me when Ray comes in with the Christmas tree, it's kind of like, it has this really great uh, uh, nostalgia feeling for me. Yet it's also in this kind of really gangster movie, <laughs> you know. No, I get it. It's it's so totally it's, it. it's 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 you know Scorsese is able to tap into these kind of moments in in people's lives that feel very uh, familiar, and uh, uh, that's why I, I first of all this is why I kind of love this movie. This is a, one of my favorite movies, but also love this moment in the film, and it's kind of I have to put this on the list. So that's my number two Christmas movie. Son of a bitch, I don't know how you got that in there, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that's one of the best movies ever made, but yeah. Woo, that was good. <clears throat> okay, for my number two entry. This, okay, I've, been go, I've gone on the record of saying that I'm not a particular fan of Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. So, if this, if I had to label a Christmas, a pure Christmas movie, this is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Stars one of the greatest actors 
comedic actors. Scrooged. Oh, okay. Okay. 1988, Bill Murray, directed by Richard Donner. Okay. I don't know what it is about Bill Murray. I don't know if he made a deal with the devil when he was young, but the guy could make almost anything hilarious. <laughs> and it's so funny because this is the classic uh, Christmas Carol, right? Uh, they just they switch it up. They make, instead of ghosts, like they're ghosts, but like a ghost is a cab driver. Then, you know what I mean? Vis-a-vis, it's all like modernized kind of. But Ebenezer is uh, Bill Murray. He's president huge company uh so it's one of those type of deals they bring him more modern mm-hmm. but um what do you call it? he he also has there's a weird underlying story because he's got the whole there's the whole timmy but they're played differently it's like a secretary of the secretary's kid uh there's even like a like a like a guy that he fires that day or they gets laid off that day um he's the guy that he finds him later on and he's, he's like frozen to death or whatever. Anyway, so it's one of those things where it's literally uh, Christmas Carol right down to the beginning. But he has such little nuances in the film that are hilarious. <laughs> like, there's they're classic. There's like the one where he's, he's getting... Oh, and the big thing is they're getting ready to put on a Christmas show. Like a Christmas, a live Christmas show that's um, going to be the biggest thing the world's ever seen. And... So he's trying to get it ready. He's trying to get everybody. And he, he insists on being like on the set kind of and watching stuff. And they have the famous scene where the guy comes up to him with a mouse. And he's like, we're having a problem. We can't get the, the reindeer uh, antlers to stick on these little guys. He's like, we've tried glue. Uh, we've tried tape. And he says, have you tried staples? <laughs> He wants the stable. The damn reindeer. God, he's classic. And it's so funny because, okay, his performance is amazing. Okay, then there's this other iconic film, but I didn't find it. I found it a not holiday enough movie, mm-hmm. which was Groundhog's Day. Okay. I You can't say Groundhog's Day is a holiday, but it's that same kind of magic that he brings. Like, if you like Groundhog's Day, for some reason you haven't seen Scrooge, you have to watch Scrooge. <laughs> and he just, he's such an evil son of a bitch in this movie. He's just mean and grumpy. And when he goes through all his things, it's kind of like he goes through with the um, the ghosts of past, present, and future. Like you see a, like a huge, uh, what would you call it? Um, uh, growth from him turning from one character to another character like uh like being heartless to actually having and enjoying the holidays like understanding that christmas isn't just something you make money off of mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's one of those things but and even the story itself i wouldn't have particularly pulled apart unless it was done by him but if i mean not only like if you're a bill murray fan but um his like kind of like love interest in the movie is um I forget her name. Uh, Karen Allen, right? Karen Allen. Karen Allen's uh, Superman. Played Lois Lane, right? Uh, no, she was Indiana, Indiana Jones. Oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. So she's in there. Um, <laughs> you know the you remember this movie at all? 
Not real. I mean, I, 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 oh, I vaguely you remember. I have to watch it again. I have to watch it again. Because there's a lot of, like, Carol Kane's in it. The, I think this guy they called Buster Douglas is uh, not Buster. Oh, Buster Coindexter. Yeah, boy, Buster Coindexter's in it. There's a bunch of little parts. And uh, even uh, Bobcat Goldwait. He's the guy that gets fired in the beginning. Oh, okay. uh, oh yeah. I strongly yeah, yeah, yeah. recommend, if you haven't seen it in a while, watch it. It is so funny. I mean, the other day when I saw it, I was just like, wow, I don't... I think what it was when I saw it when I was younger, it was it was funny and it was entertaining. And as I saw it when I was older, uh, it was just, it was even more funny. Like, there's a scene where he has to pick gifts for people. And it's like, she has a choice between towels and a VCR. And so this is <laughs> 1988. So a VCR was like, what, 500 bucks? Yeah, it was expensive. So it's expensive, like, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, it was like, he was reading off names. And it was like, um, it was like, Dan, you play squash, VCR. <laughs> and then uh, the next one's like, Frank, Frank, yeah, your brother Frank, towels. You know what I mean? It was just like the whole world. And then when he even shows up, or he's even, the, he's with the ghost of Christmas past, and he's watching, like, his brother's party that he didn't go to, that he never goes to, and he's opening gifts, and he opens the gift from him, and it's the VCR, and he goes, hey, you were supposed to get a towel. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, man, it's so good. You got to watch that one. That's. That's my entry for number two. Okay. Yeah, number two. Uh, all right. Number one. We're, we're already at the number one. Uh, so with my pick for number one, um, I went with a kind of more traditional pick. It's a, it's kind of like classic. Uh, really, this is kind of a no-brainer. Um, it's a Christmas story. I mean, I, I, I think uh, it's, a, it's a movie that I think represents 80s the most and represents my kind of childhood memories of watching this movie on TV. It's, it's a film that's filled with nostalgia. It's a great family comedy, which I think maybe it might feel a little old fashioned by today's standards. That's only because today's standards are, are, are they're kind of more dumb. And this movie is not dumb. It's simple, but not dumb. And I think it's a, it's a very, charming it's a very delightful movie about uh about kind of this family tale and it's 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 it not only conjures up my own kind of childhood memories but it really kind of offers uh this idyllic american tale of simplicity and also innocence and i think it's um it kind of reminds you or it makes you reminisce about your own childhood where our life was simpler back then, where life was kind of uncomplicated, particularly compared to the pressures of adulthood. And uh, I think, you know, because it's told, it's told through, through this perspective of this kid, Ralphie, who wants, you know, who really wants this Christmas gift. Uh, he wants a BB gun, the red Ryder BB gun. Um, it becomes almost like a folktale or it becomes like a fable for, for children. And so if you're a kid in the eighties and you're watching this film and you're about Ralphie's age, which was, which I was when I saw it, uh, you were kind of living vicariously through this guy. And so in, in many ways, I think this movie is kind of a, a it's a comfort food. Uh, it's like a tension reliever. It's, it's like watching. It's a, it's a mixture of of a, of a Norman Rockwell painting, but it's also kind of like a Mad Magazine cartoon. It's uh, satirical yet um, familiar, and I think this movie was constantly in rotation. They would air it 
this movie on TV all the time. It would it was kind of like an annual Christmas movie that would that my family would watch because we didn't really have, you know, HBO. We had like kind of basic cable, and this would always play, and we would always watch it. And I have this kind of deep fondness for this movie, and and you know, although I haven't really seen it in a, in a very long time, but. I, I just still have this kind of love for it. And, uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, when I think of 80s movies and I think of Christmas, uh, the image of this movie, it's kind of one of the first things to come up. And, uh, and mainly, mainly that's because of my family. We're a bunch of TV watchers. And uh, yeah, like this, like I said, this is a kind of a brilliant kind of a piece of nostalgia. I love kind of, uh, you know, the kind of basic kind of quotes from the movie, you shoot your eye out and, you know, and the, the father, he's kind of a, a, a little bit of a, a imbecile, you know, there's a scene where he gets the, the big package. He goes for Gile, it must be Italian, <laughs> you know? So I, it's a funny comedy. I, 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 I love it. It's, it's, it's part of my childhood. I mean, I can't deny how much is this is so ingrained in my, my youth. Uh, yeah, so my number one pick, A Christmas Story. Yeah, it's very Americana, too, when you think about it. Yeah. It's like it, it, it it's like a Happy Days setting with everything that uh, you they wanted to push as a, the American way of life for the kids. And I don't know. I, I always thought it was a good movie. My, oh, my little brother, Tony, he... This is his favorite movie, maybe of all time, but definitely of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I know what you're saying. It was on TBS, like all the yeah, every every year. other every year. <laughs> it was like TBS showed this Jaws one, Jaws two, and then this again. <laughs> that was like the rotation. And Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, that's how they made their living. But yeah, when he climbs back up the the slide, oh, the, sa the Santa, <laughs> yeah, kicks him in the boot. Yeah, like it shows him his face. Oh, it's a classic. <laughs> And the little brother that gets his tongue stuck on the... Oh, uh, yeah, the, the pole. But you, and what's funny is we, we were like... I mean, I didn't... I grew up in, like, we didn't see snow. We didn't have any right. of that stuff. Right, right. So that was like... I thought that that's the rest of the country was like that. And my wife grew up in um, Iowa. And she said, yep, everybody does tries to do this. The first time they find someone that's never seen the snow in the ice. Oh, that's interesting. They try, they try to get them to do the tongue thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I think when... Because we were from from west coast we're from california most of our christmas are very kind of sunny or you know 70s degrees maybe the height you know, yeah, with shorts <laughs> uh but you know watching this movie is kind of feels like maybe a holiday card or a christmas card it's yeah. like kind of that kind of nostalgia um yeah i, th I think it's a, it's a fun movie and and it's directed by bob clark and, and it's funny because he's he directs this kind of really sweet family comedy with this movie yet he is the guy who is known for directing porkies <laughs> and, <laughs> and he also directed uh earlier in his career he directed black christmas which is kind of now a classic uh horror movie and yeah. uh wow. so with this movie he's like totally does like uh uh, 360 or, or 180 and i think it does have this underpinning of darkness into it i mean i don't there's like the kind of a, an edge to this movie than than you would think i mean although it's kind of this sweet film yeah, it's it's i do i remember too with the jolly and then it's just a it was so funny because it's just the the leg with the pantyhose and it's like risque but he's in like love with it and wants it everywhere and dude, you can't not mention the 
the fudge. <laughs> oh, fudge. But I didn't say fudge. <laughs> I didn't say fudge. I didn't. I said the mother of all bad words. I can't. I, like, even though it might not be my favorite, I can't. I can't really see too many people not have seen. Yeah, that I mean, before. it's a, it's, a, it's one of the the staples of, of Christmas movies. Um, all right, let's get to your number one pick, Angel. Okay, this may be a little <laughs> off the board. RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have tied it, it would have. Okay, I uh, like I said, I'm not a very holiday whatever, but hands down, the greatest holiday movie. For me, planes, trains, and automobiles. I, I I don't think I could make a better movie. I mean, I haven't seen a movie that makes you laugh, it makes you cry. You feel everything all at one time. Um, it's it's of course it's so funny because it's John Hughes, and uh, like uh, almost everything he does, it's just it's a brilliant write and it's a brilliant. Uh, directing, but the Steve Martin and John Candy, it's it's almost uh, it's for me it's better than the Blues Brothers type of chemistry that they got going. Yeah, and um, John Candy's character is kind of like a it's almost like a like a muck, like everything that he touches turns to crap. <laughs> but with his life being as crappy as it is, he is pretty much all smiles the whole movie. Like, he tries to look on the better side of everything. And then Steve Martin, who basically is has a, per, like you would say, a perfect life. He has one problem. He has one problem getting home. Like, you know, it's just like a little thing that goes wrong. And then it just, it, it's, it snarls him into being like this moody guy. And then it's one of those things where I think he learns the lesson that it, when you just look at the bad, all you're going to see is bad. Mm -hmm. it, it, it compiles to literally like can't make the plane, can't make the train, you know, then they try the automobile. So it's like different ways. And it's an easy, easy movie. He's trying to get home for the holidays, the end. Mm -hmm. But what happens in between is so amazingly hilarious. And like we said earlier on an earlier episode, John Candy, he's one of the people that you hope doesn't get swept under yeah. and people don't forget him because his body of work gets older. If anything, they should just they should just regurgitate. Don't even re don't make remake his movie. Put them all back out in the theater so people can get the uh, exposure to him. But he he's a mastermind in this, and he will make you laugh your your butt off, and then he will make you cry. And mm -hmm. I don't know, he's so good in this film, and like there's so many lines that uh, a friend of ours, Danny, <laughs> he passed away a little while ago, but he would say the those aren't pillows <laughs> that line constantly there's a part where the guy's like where's you? like he's counting hands basically they're sharing a bed and steve martin goes where's your other hand and he goes in between two pillows <laughs> <laughs> then he goes, those aren't pillows <laughs> i mean there's so many one-liners in there and it's like every time steve martin just keeps trying to get away from john candy like almost like like how you would blame something for your misfortunes He's basically doing a John Candy. It's like, dude, everything that's shitty is happening because of you, because of you, because of you. And and then with Steve Martin's by himself, it gets even worse. And the one there to pick him up is John Candy. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that aspect always got me. Like you get it. You could keep pushing somebody away, but when they want to help you, they want to help you. And he, they want some people to want to help you, 
because it's convenient for them. And so people want to help you because they want to help you. And it's like you, you end up pushing away the wrong people. And I don't know. He learns that in this movie. And then at the end, he puts the story together and it'll make you cry. <laughs> it will I'll get teary right yeah, now. Yeah. It's just so good. And it's like, you don't see it coming. And then when it comes together, you're like, son of a bitch. And it's like, wow. And I don't know. It, you feel so good at the end. You do. I think it's a, it's, it's a heartwarming film. It's also, it's a really rare comedy where it goes so many degrees of broadness. You know, at one point it's like a cartoon, there's physical comedy, but then there's also very clever dialogue scenes, uh, funny one-liners. And then also there's this very much this sweetness in the film that you, like you were saying, you cr you'll cry and you'll feel empathy for all these characters. Uh, it's very hard to juggle all these kind of things. And John Hughes, you know, who's also passed away and, and you know, along with John, uh, with, with, uh, John Candy, you know, these both of these two guys were perfect together. You know, they did Uncle Buck together. There was just oh, like Don't even get me started. <laughs> Uncle Buck's so good. So, so they're good. like it's really perfect combination that uh I, I hope people kind of uh, don't overlook the these two people. And uh and yes, yes, I think this is probably one of John Hughes's and John Candy's uh you know best films best forms yeah, yeah. and I performances think, films yeah, yeah and i think uh, it, it because it's able to balance the kind of the broadness of, of comedy with the sweetness of of some of those emotional scenes well this is one of those movies too that if you talk about it like you're like oh i saw train uh, playing trains the other day it's just somebody overhearing you without turning around and be like oh my god i love that movie you know what i mean it's <laughs> yeah. just and it could be uh like an owner of a company or it could be the guy that's sweeping the floor everybody's You'll get that same reaction from everybody. And it's another kind of one of those movies that were constantly played during during Thanksgiving or and also yeah. during the holidays, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a great pick. I I love that movie and I kinda knew you were gonna pick that, so I didn't put that on my list. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> or, or we would hate to agree. But dude, like, uh, honestly we have to do a John Candy show. We have to, yeah. I mean you have so uh, dude, Uncle Buck, I forgot about Uncle Buck till you said it, but then Uncle Buck, great outdoors there's the man Harry Crumb. You could, who's Harry Crumb? Who's Harry Crumb? You could, God, you can watch almost any kind of movie you want to feel like watching with this guy. The only thing I don't think he ever did was maybe where he was like a psycho or anything like that. Not really. Not really. But he he did a really short cameo in JFK as this really oh, odd, yeah. odd character. And he was so awesome at it. At it, it made me kind of believe that he could have had this second stage of his yeah. career where he's a kind of dramatic actor. Yeah, I think I think uh, he was so good in that movie. Um, yeah, we yeah. definitely. I'm mean, look, look. This is our kind of our last uh, episode for for 2021. Uh, uh, if uh, hopefully uh, anyone who's listening to this, you prepare yourself. We're going to have a really great next year. We're going to have a lot of new episodes, and we're going to explore a lot of great films from the 80s and 90s. And so and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure if you're listening to us. You're tied up in a basement and they're trying to break you. <laughs> they're trying to break you by playing our shows over and over. So we want to say stay strong. Help is coming. <laughs> or uh, if you just stumbled onto us that we're just a couple of guys who are, you know, love 80s and 90s movies. We grew up in these films and are the, look, we're going to have a big uh, next year. We're going to have a lot of uh, great uh, episodes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will end with, with this that uh, you know have a happy Christmas and a great new year and uh, we'll see you next year in 2022 have a good one guys